Hello and welcome to another episode of the Life After Cardiac Arrest podcast with me, host Paul Swindell. If all goes well, this episode should be published on the 1st of May 2020, which is the fifth birthday of Sudden Cardiac Arrest UK. Although my memory can be a little dodgy at times, I can remember the creation of it quite well. I say quite well, but I actually had it clear in my mind that it was a Sunday evening when I clicked the button to create the Facebook group. But I just did a look up and it was actually a Friday. So anyway, I remember that we'd had a meeting a couple of months beforehand in a pub in London, the Mulberry Bush on the South Bank. And basically it was a gathering of lost souls, really. And It was such a great meeting that we continued emailing and communicating via the Inspire forum. But personally, I found the process a little slow and perhaps needed something more immediate. So although I wasn't a big Facebook user at the time, I knew of its benefits over a traditional forum, such that, you know, many people knew of it and used it and already had it installed and it was available on all sorts of um, platforms. didn't matter whether you had an iPhone or an Android or a tablet and it worked on on your PCs and Macs as well. And it was, it was importantly for me anyway, it was was quick and easy to set up and manage. And also for the people who are actually contributing, it was quicker to get response to their posts because when you're on a sort of a traditional forum, it can quite often be maybe a day or two before you get any sorts of response. I'm not sure if that's just the nature of the, the technology or the number of users that are on Facebook, because I know it's got a, a, a colossal following. But anyway, it, it, it tended to have groups that had more of a community feel and, and more of a buzz. So, you know, as I say, on that evening, I decided to click the button to create a group. And at that time, I didn't know what I was doing or what I was going to be creating. And I, and I called it UK Sudden Cardiac Arrest Survivors and Friends. And the, the friends part of the name was, was very important because we knew it wasn't just the survivors that were going through these trials and tribulations of survivorship. The first year or so, there was a, a, you know, it was a fairly slow growth of the, of the group. You know, most of the original group had been in that pub joined Gareth, Sue, Joanna, Michelle, David, Richard, Dawn, Trudy, Ian and Gwyn. But it slowly grew up from that few dozen or so and is now well over 1500, which is pretty impressive, I think. It's probably worth noting that we have to decline probably just as many requests as we allow to join. And this is to keep the group focused to its target audience, i.e. those in the UK and those who have had a cardiac arrest or have been affected directly by one, be that the survivor, the partner or a lay rescuer. And it's also to keep out trolls and spammers which are prevalent on Facebook and unfortunately... And I think we do that quite well as the group has had very few what I might call flashpoints in that time. And the, the community is is pretty much on message most of the time. So I'd just like to actually say thanks to all the moderators throughout the 
the five years because they've kept the group flowing and it's not always easy continually adding people and monitoring out and checking that we're getting the right people into the group. So big thanks to you guys. Also, I'd just like to say a big thanks to someone who's been a, a big supporter of the group as well. And that's Dr. Keeble. And I think one of the pivotal moments in the group's sort of uh, life is probably just after a year or so the group had been going. We had a couple of hundred members at that time. And someone posted into the group a video entitled Life After Cardiac Arrest. Ah, so you wondered where I got the name for this podcast, eh? Well, it was a trigger for me to actually get to meet Dr. Keeble. And as I mentioned, he's, he's been a great asset to the group. I mean, if you've listened to my episode at the beginning of the series, you'll know all about how I got to meet him and why I got to meet him. So I won't go into that now. But he, over the years, he's really given freely of his time and his expertise and helped us out in so many ways. He's been on the podcast, he's he's done webinars, he's helped us organise events, he's raised funds so that we can put these events on and he's answered so many questions that people have had. So I'm really grateful to you, Dr Keeble. And hopefully we repaid it a little bit with helping him gain an NHS hospital hero award so about 18 months ago maybe a little bit longer so hopefully that's resting nicely on his mantelpiece my journey's sort of been intertwined with his or him joining the group because i've been lucky enough to attend quite a few conferences with him and been able to present alongside him and i must admit it was quite daunting and scary at first but the the feedback that we and I received show me that it was something that had to be done and so my nerves had to be put aside and I would say talking about yourself especially when it's sort of like a traumatic event like an SCA is not actually that easy and it can be a, I used to say it's a little bit like a word minefield and that there'll be various trigger words which make you get quite upset and emotional standing in front of uh, many people which can be quite uncomfortable at times but I would say to anyone who who has that opportunity to do something like this talk to maybe a community group or some CFRs or or anyone really on this subject and their story I, I would say go and overcome your fears and go and do it because you can send a very powerful message it may feel uncomfortable at the time, but the, the ripple effect of your message could go on to save many other people's lives. And also selfishly, it can help you um, overcome your own trauma and help you build in your own right. So as I mentioned at the beginning, creating this group was you know, in some ways a little bit of a punt. I, I knew after that first meeting that the community or meeting other people was was key as, you know, as I and my wife, we both felt lonely and abandoned. And as our event entitled uh, Hashtag Not Alone last year showed that it, it's a common theme for many, many survivors. And, you know, you people go looking for information because we're not that prevalent in society you know we all know the survival rate is very low it's still less than 10 percent and so to 
speak to people and get people to come together helps to normalize and understand that situation and I think we've managed to do that both online and offline now with the the meetings and the resources that we've got online and it's for the survivors and partners and lifesavers in general and you've got to remember that you know although our group is is over 1500 people now 80 percent of those are survivors but we also have a proportion which is partners and lifesavers as i say we all know that facebook can be both good and bad and in the past few years, we've seen some of the ways that it can be used in a bad way. And lots of people are scared about it. But I think on the whole, it has been very good for those who've been affected by a sudden cardiac arrest. Even if you're not actually in the group, I think some of the the ripple effects of what's come out of the group is beginning to, to show benefits. And it's also probably worth mentioning that in the last past year or two we've set up an offshoot group called chain of survival uk if you've listened to one of my previous episodes with dr katie dainty so it's a group for partners and lay rescuers those who've been involved in the chain of survival because we find that that experience is is very traumatic and sometimes it's better for the those people who have gone through that to be able to talk about their experience outside of the earshot of survivors. I guess in an unconscious way, the the Facebook group has carried on the ethos of the first meetup and that it's friendly, welcoming and supportive and not to just friends and people you know, but to essentially total strangers and I know it's only a small thing, but the the welcome message that everyone receives kind of sums that up. I mean, it's like a, a virtual arm around someone, a, a welcome in. We know what you're going through. You know, get comfy and feel safe in sharing your troubles. We understand. We get it. And I'm always impressed by the number of people who take the time to like or add a comment welcoming in these total strangers it's a sign of the camaraderie and the empathy you'll find with many of our members we encourage new members to share their story in a new post to not only get away from a a failing of facebook but because it might be the first time that they've had the chance to do so and we know that it can be beneficial to actually tell your story and I know it's uh, I've mentioned this before on the podcast about the benefits of, of writing uh, about a trauma. And there is a an actual practice called expressive writing, which has got a page on our website about that. If you want to know more about that to help you get over a trauma. As well as all the uh, sort of the Facebook group with the posts and the, the stories and what have you that we have through that. We obviously have the the face-to-face meetup, which is, I guess, where it all started. And it can be, I think some people underestimate the power of actually getting to meet another survivor or lifesaver, someone who's given CPR. It's a very powerful experience and can be a a real eye-opener to, 
you know, just have the opportunity to talk with someone and listen to someone who, who gets it, who's been there, who's, who's gone through those same emotions, who's perhaps a little further down the, the, the road of uh, recovery. It, it's a real, it's a real shot in the arm, as it were. I mean, I know that the original meetup in 2015 was a game changer for me and my wife as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think I've met any other survivors on the, well, I just met Richard, but that was prior to the actual meetup because it was part of it. I didn't really know anyone else who had gone through this and, you know, just going and talking with other people was such a, a weight off the shoulders, basically, you know, it, and also it doesn't have to be big events like some of the ones that we've done like the Guinness World Record or the Not Alone event just the, the small cozy meetups in the in a cafe or something like that is perfectly acceptable and it's a great experience talking of the uh, Guinness World Record Ben's initiative after a jokey conversation got the ball rolling onto something that that turned out to be quite amazing so thanks Ben I think it is a bit of a shame though that the uh the day wasn't featured a little bit more in the in the media and press and and didn't make it into the official um, Guinness World Record book because when you think about it the survival of those 127 people is a real testament to the chain of survival and to the power of the medical world and NHS so an opportunity missed there from Guinness World Records Maybe we can do it again with more people and get them involved in a bigger way. Who knows? Although that didn't get published, one thing that did get published is our leaflet. And this was thanks to backing from SADS UK, as Anne and John Jolly, and help from one of our members, Dawn. And it was a leaflet that was to be put in hospitals and other facilities where sudden cardiac arrest patient and patient families might be found. And just gave a basic overview of what an SCA is, the impact it has, and what we as a group can can do for patients and their families. Essentially, it was just a, a signpost. We've had over 10,000 of these distributed. And if you want some, please contact SADS or go to our website page, which is scauk.org forward slash leaflet. And, you know, we just try and get those out to the places where people will see them and can come and join the group and get the benefits of being being in a group of people who know what they're going through, can answer many of their questions, can point them in direction of resources such as our website and that's a podcast and other things. It's also worth mentioning that SAD UK also offer free counselling with a member of the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy because we're just a Facebook group. We can help people go through some of their recovery process, but we're not medical people. And maybe there will be times when people need professional help. Obviously, you should go through your doctor first, but sometimes the waiting list to get mental health assistance can be a little bit long at times and I suspect post COVID-19 they're going to be even longer so that free counselling could be invaluable so thanks to SADS for the support in that the leaflet and also other support throughout the years 
I touched on it before that we've we've got a website and as as time has gone on there have been more and more amazing stories of survival posted in the group and more and more of of gained lessons and pointed to resources so and all of these things help ease the pain of what people are going through and because our Facebook group is closed and private only those people in the group can actually see the contents of those posts so I started a website basically to to share out to a wider audience and to maybe let anyone interested know what sort of things that survivors and their families were going through. So I created this website to collate the information that was specific to us and to provide also an outlet for members to share their stories. It's worth noting at this time that there was probably very little information for sudden cardiac arrest survivors out there and it tended to come from a very medical perspective or maybe was um, sponsored by a manufacturer of medical equipment so it tended to have yeah occasionally it would have a a patient story but it would be the the story about the event not really anything afterwards not showing you it would all be very rosy and not necessarily showing you the the warts and the trials and tribulations that people go through and have to overcome so our website aims to give it the patient perspective and i think that i think it does that quite well but we do need contributions continually coming in be it stories for the blog or just things that um, can generally help people so if you want to contribute, absolutely please do. I'd love to receive your um, articles and uh, anything else that's potentially helpful. So you can submit that via email at info at suddencardiacarrestuk.org or if you go to the suddencardiacarrestuk.org um, slash blog. I mentioned that we had published a leaflet and after a couple of years of running of the website, I saw that we've begun to collate quite a good collection of stories and articles that I thought maybe they're worth publishing in their own right. And it was something I, I thought about and toyed around for quite a while, as I'd heard that publishing a book can be quite an arduous process. But after a bit of investigation, I noticed that Amazon had made it relatively straightforward, although, as I found out, a little time-consuming. So... If you want to give it a go, go ahead, but be prepared for the black hole that all your time disappears into. But at the end of um, 2017, I've managed to put everything together and I managed to put a whole number of our popular articles into one volume and I got Dr. Keeble to do a foreword for it and I published an ebook in early 2018. It turned out to be quite popular and I was in some ways quite surprised because those articles were already out there but the other thing that surprised me was the call for a paperback so I put my uh, skills back on my publishing and editing skills back on and uh, this took a long time actually didn't realize just how long it would take Uh, but we managed to get another version uh, a paperback version out later in the year and whilst it's not a number one bestseller you won't see it in your times top list uh, it has sold steadily and is actually just outside the top half million sellers on Amazon. And 
Although that doesn't sound impressive, if you consider that there are over 32 million books on Amazon, I don't think it's actually too bad. And in in one of the categories that it's in is actually in the top 800 and has received over 25 star reviews, which is pretty decent, I think. So if you've read the book or you're on Amazon and like to help the book and help us, please go and leave a review on there or just give it five stars. I would love that. And it's sold far and wide in mostly English-speaking countries, but maybe we need some translated versions. Got any volunteers who who can speak English and maybe another language is their first language? I'd love to be able to publish it in, um, I don't know, Spanish, French, German, any of the European languages or even further afield, maybe a... Mandarin or something like that, exotic. But I'd certainly uh, appreciate if uh, anyone wants to help out. And it's also worth pointing out, we just released just over a month ago another volume, and that has many new authors, and there's been a real buzz about that as well. So that's great. And it's also great for anyone who just submits an article for the website, and if it's deemed popular by our audience then getting it published can be a real buzz for you and a sort of a a nice little thing because I, I imagine you know everyone says or there's a saying that everyone's got a booking them but actually getting a book out is quite a difficult thing maybe this will be the first step maybe it'll be the the little bit of encouragement that you need to to get that pen on paper and write the your whole story and also just I'd like to say thanks to uh Professor Barbara Wilson and Professor Douglas Chamberlain, who are two eminent figures that I've had on the podcast and have helped us in previous enterprises we've done, that they've provided some very nice quotes for the latest version of the book. And I'd just also like to talk about the podcast for a moment. It was, again, it was something that I thought about for quite a while, but fear, lack of know-how and lack of confidence, I guess, stopped me doing it. And eventually, again, I, I took some advice about it, how to, to get some help and how, how to get going with it. And I think it's surprising, actually, the number of helpful people that there are on um, things like Facebook. There are communities and groups everywhere for every single thing that you can possibly think of. And I put out the call for help, as I said, and I received quite a few offers of help and to help produce it and edit it. And I'd just like to say thanks to Matt Nielsen, who's edited many of these episodes. So thanks to him. I'm quite proud of what I've managed to do from nothing. I was quite nervous in the early days. Hopefully it sounds a little bit more professional than it did in the first couple of episodes. Uh, I quite enjoy doing them and talking to people. And I'm quite proud of what I've done so far. So, And I've received quite a bit of positive feedback. And again, if you'd like to, to help the podcast get out to more people and get our stories and calls a little bit well more known, Please leave some feedback on, I think it's Apple tends to be the number one spot where people can leave um, feedback, give it a review or just the five stars. But if you don't have an Apple, I think you can still do it on their website. Um, But there are some other places uh, that you can leave podcast reviews. So I'll really appreciate it if you could do that. I'd just like to also 
So I'm really grateful to those who give up their time to speak with me on this podcast, both the experts who, and who give over their time freely and give answer a lot of questions and give people a little more in-depth knowledge and background as to what they're going through and how to get over it, but also to the people who tell a very personal and often traumatic story. I, I know it, it, it can't be easy sitting here letting other people hear all of that but i really do appreciate your time and your honesty and i'd just also like to reiterate a particular thanks to dr keeble who's been very supportive of this and appear quite a few times so thanks again tom so i just like to sort of round up really with some of the things that i've learned running a facebook group our cohort we're were quite a heterogeneous lot. I, there's not a common disease with common symptoms that links us all together. We've all had different starting points, different causes, different events, different recoveries and, and different outcomes. You know, some people can bounce back almost immediately, but others can take many months or years. But we all sort of generally mishmash together quite well. And it, that applies to partners and lay rescuers as well as the the survivors. We've all got our our stories to tell, as it were, and we can all learn from each other. And there's one thing I sort of uh, came up with the end of last year at the Not Alone event when I was talking there. I wanted to impart a couple of the the things that I've learned in in a sort of an acronym because they're quite often easy to remember. My acronym was R. First A was acknowledge the trauma that you, your body and your loved ones have gone through because it it is a lot. It's a lot to take in at the time. It's a lot to deal with and you know, just be kind with yourself. Just acknowledge what has happened. You know, I, I do see some people who are almost in a, a state of denial and maybe it comes back and hits them in the face a couple of years later. The second day is accept where you are and what has happened. As I say, don't deny it. Understand it. Learn about it. Accept what has happened and work out a plan for moving forward. And the third A is adapt to your new situation. You know, it takes time for the body and the mind to heal. And they're two separate processes, I think. Some people bounce back and they're, they're back running within a couple of weeks or they're back at work. But the psychological aspect shouldn't be underestimated. It, it can take a long time for people to take in, understand, process everything that's that's been gone through. And these things you know, don't change overnight. You know, you, you've got to keep going. And as Winston Churchill once said, if you're going through hell, keep going. So, you know, keep that in mind. If you if you're a member of the group, you're you'll see and I've seen over the five years that there are so many people who come in who are in a desperate situation when they start. But then go on, you know, and make a good recovery and they're, they're a happy person again. It takes a while to find what that new normal, that new happy person is going to be. Quite often it's different. And finally, the H of the R is get help. It's hard to do this on your own, recover on your own. Use the resources we provide. 
use it as a sounding ball, bounce uh, your fears and tribulations in the group. And, and when you're able to contribute, please do so, whether that's through a blog or just by liking or commenting on other people's posts. It, it's a real win-win situation. And finally, I would say we what I've learned is, you know, we've been given a second chance. So, so let's use it. Try new things. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. I know I've done that many a time now, but be open and let things happen. And finally, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the future. The group probably wouldn't have existed had I continued to receive the excellent level of care that I had got in hospital. Post-discharge was left a little wanting and unfortunately I think this is quite a common theme amongst many who go through a cardiac arrest. I think and I hope it is improving and I think some of the things we've been doing have been started to get noticed by some of the organisations that can make a real difference to those affected by a sudden cardiac arrest and by that I mean the Recess Council the British Heart Foundation and the Public Health England part of NHS. It'd be good to see the interest and noises made by them materialise into real benefits for us and perhaps even a specific care pathway because I really feel that is lacking at the moment. I'd just also like to say thanks to those who supported my recent call for funds. It was much appreciated. We're not a charity Maybe we should be, but at the moment we don't have any regular income, but we do have costs associated with the resources and events we put on. And these can run into many thousands of pounds. So if we are to continue, we do need to ensure the coffers are kept loaded. And if you can help by making a donation, doesn't matter however small or large, or even just by buying something from our shop, it will be very much appreciated. And you can do that at scauk.org forward slash donate or scauk.org forward slash shop. And finally, just to say thanks to everyone who's made this group what it is. I, for one, would not be where I am without it. So thank you. This concludes this episode of the Life After Cardiac Arrest podcast. And I'd love to know what you think. And you can do that via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the website suddencardiacarrestuk.org and you can find us by googling Sudden Cardiac Arrest UK or the Life After Cardiac Arrest podcast. If you have found value in this or other episodes, please help spread the word by leaving a review on your podcast provider such as Apple or wherever is convenient. And don't forget, if you want to know more about Life After Cardiac Arrest, check out our books Life After Cardiac Arrest on Amazon. Make sure you click subscribe and I'll speak to you next time.